Hey toy family, welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm George Gaspar. And it's just you and I tonight, George. I love it. Old school. Old school. Well, actually, that's not true. We, we do have a guest with us, but let's, let's, how about you and I catch up a little bit? Sure. So is Behind the Counter, is that currently wrapped up? I've been listening to episodes, and it sounds like you guys uh, are going to be taking a break. So have you done all the recording for all those episodes already? No, we still, we, we go right through Decon. So we'll, we'll go right up to the beginning of Decon. We'll have our, you know, we'll shoot stuff. I don't know what's going to happen at Decon, because we all have booths. So uh, we got to do something, but we're going right up to Decon. And then we go on a little hiatus for uh, Christmas break. Okay, so it's like a seasonal break. So season one is pretty much in the books for you guys. Yeah, like season one was, you know, January through Decon, basically. That's our season. And then we'll start up again in January if okay. the show comes back. Are you guys doing anything big for sweeps or anything like that? <laughs> sweeps? Is it sweeps time? <laughs> we don't have that in the podcast world, do we? I know, like, television. No, because no one ever that. stops. You just keep going forever and ever. But that was always awesome on the TV shows where they have, like, crossovers and stuff like that to have, like, a big. A big uh, sweeps week where they try to get a larger audience, I guess. We need a Marsham crossover where you come on the show. There you go. I won't be in town, though. <laughs> You're coming for Decon. I know, but then I'll be gone on Monday. In and out. That's... Well, you got to at least do a little intro for us. I could do that. Well, George, I did mention that we're going to have a guest tonight, so let's just get right to him. Our guest today is a Swede that now lives in Brooklyn, New York. He has a film background and actually used to help produce music videos for bands in Sweden. He and his wife later moved to the States where they owned and operated and ran a gallery in New York City for five years called Bold Hype. After the birth of their daughter, though, they were inspired to close the gallery in pursuit of other interests that would allow them to work from home and uh, squeeze in more family time. So one of those interests for our guests was design and sculpt his wonderfully whimsical world of characters and dabble in the world of toy making. In 2017 alone, he has already self-produced two toys of his own design, The Wizard and the upcoming Dessert Oracle. So let's welcome Eric Alfin, a.k.a. Sad Salesman. Hey, thank you. Wow, that was quite a quite an intro. I uh, I put some research into that one. <laughs> I, I can tell. What I like to do with the intros is that easily could have, the, what I just rattled off could have taken up the first 30 minutes of the show, kind of getting all that out of you. So it's like I throw it in the intro, and now we can move on to toys. Great. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to gloss over that he makes music videos for bands? <laughs> like, can't, we can't talk about that at all? Sure, we can. <laughs> all right, good. I don't want to just let that go by the wayside. Are, are you very knowledgeable in the, the world of Swedish bands, George? <laughs> are they all Swedish bands? Is that what it was? Like, was it like Swedish death metal? What kind of music? <laughs> <laughs> there might have been uh, a Swedish death metal in there somewhere. But um, we had, we did kind of a techno band and a um, more like alternative pop duo. Yeah, we dabbled in some music videos. Cause, That's uh, awesome. Me, yeah, me and my wife, we actually met in uh, film school. And so after film school, we uh, started doing some music videos. That's but really that, cool. Uh, yeah, the, well, that scene kind of died down. You know, like what, what was the last music video you watched? Well, I mean, it's just YouTube now, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's on, on like pretty much streaming at this point, even like the late night talk shows. When was the last time you actually sat down and watched a late night talk show? You just pretty much just watch like the best of clips through YouTube at this point. Although I do catch Conan occasionally. Conan's good. I like Conan. Now, I don't detect any sort of accent from you at all. How long did you live in Sweden? Well, I was born there. 
Um, and I moved in 91, so I was uh, 11 years old when I came over here. Okay. But then you moved back to Sweden with your wife, correct? Yeah. We did a, a short, about a one-year little stint there. Yeah, she did like an intense uh, Swedish course. And, you know, just by living there and, and, and taking the classes, she uh, learned Swedish like nice. a rock star. Nice. Yeah. And, and this is where you did all, just that one-year period you were there? This is where you did all, like, the music videos and stuff? Y- yes and no. We did a couple there. And then um, when we moved back, we, we continued. Uh, I think we did one more, and then we kind of moved on. So how does that translate into your, your art background then? Were you also an artist on the side of while doing filmography? Yeah. Like, I, I would always be the one doing the um, storyboards, if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like a comic book version of what you're going to shoot. Yep. So I guess that kind of ties into that. And then what made you want to leave Sweden? And I think you're, well, you actually set up Bold Hype in Florida first. So what made you want to leave Sweden and then jump into the art gallery business? Well, um, well, we, we knew we just wanted to kind of check out Sweden. Cause that's, you know, where I was from. And then she was very curious and uh, she got, you know, a, a visa to stay there for a while. But we knew it wasn't permanent. And, um, uh, yeah, when we came back, we were looking for things to do, and um, I think we were just sitting around talking, and at first, we had the idea to start like a t-shirt shop, or we would draw, you know, cool duffer t-shirts, and, mm-hmm. you know, at first we thought, well, maybe it'd just be online, and then, oh, maybe we should get a location, and oh, we could have art on the walls, you know, I was obviously into art even then, yeah. and, um, and the more we talked about it, the more it evolved to... <laughs> the walls being more important than the shirts. And when we did open Bold Hype, we did have kind of a section where there were T-shirts and some cool home accessories, things like that. But the main focus had shifted to um, the art. You make it sound easy, like just starting your own shop gallery is just kind of just like, man, which just kind of just sort of happened. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. <laughs> But we were very enthusiastic and young and energetic, and uh, I think we'd put on some really cool shows. So Bull Hype started in Florida, then you ended up picking up and moving to New York City, and then there has to be a, a big jump going from Florida to New York City, where the you know the clientele and I would assume the artistic inspiration is is quite different. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we wanted to be, I guess taken a little more seriously and, and kind of dive right into the, the big juicy art scene up here in New York. How was that received being like a, I don't know, just like a couple that started a gallery? How, how was it getting into the art scene in New York? Um, well, there, there's so many galleries that it's not like a huge deal. Like we were in a building, I think like the fourth floor of this building, just full of little galleries. So it was almost like a tiny little art um, like a museum of galleries almost. Yeah. <laughs> so That's awesome. Just walk into the building and then stroll around and, and see all types of different art. Now here's some trivia for you. Do you remember who you had do the mural for your opening in New York City? It was like a, it was June 2010. Do you remember who did the mural? Jeez. Um, We've had a lot of murals. We did uh, Skinner did a mural. There you go, Skinner. You got it. You worked with quite a bit of like actually like what 
probably a lot of people in the toy scene are familiar with. You worked with Skinner and Doc A and Luke Chu and Christopher Reiniak and Amanda Louise Spade, Jason Freeney, Andrew Bell, I mean, and more. So, yeah, I mean, so it's not like you just kind of fell into the designer toy scene today with working with your toys. It's like you were working with these guys back in, you know, since 2010. Yeah, I mean, uh, the interest for me was always there. Uh, at first, you know, we mostly focused on paintings, but then, yeah, towards the end, where my interests were shifting more towards, you know, sculptures and, and toy artists, I worked actually with um, Andrew Bell. He came by, and we started chatting, and, and we kind of came up with this um, idea to work together and, and curate a, a sculpture show called New Dimensions. And, yeah, it had all those artists you just mentioned. And you're actually a toy collector yourself, though, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Were you a toy collector back then? I was. I think there was a, a period where I kind of backed off a little bit. And I was super gung-ho in the very beginning when um, like Kid Robot released the first Dunny series. Okay. And I was in New York at the time. And you know somebody had showed me a Dunny. I'm like, whoa, what is that? And they said, uh, yeah, it's, you can find these at Kid Robot. So I strolled over there and got wrapped up in that whole scene. I mean, so much so were you one of the ones waiting for, like, in line for the release parties and all that. I mean, you hear stories all the time about how amazing it was in the, the early days of that small kid robot store in New York City. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I ever went that far. I'm not, like, a super fanboy or hype beast or whatever you want to call it. Okay, um, so you're, like, a casual collector then. I am, yeah. But uh, I, I remember after a while, you know, once I had the whole, you know, Dunny Series 1, getting into, like, the Kid Robot message boards. Yeah. That was, like, a huge forum with people who were doing customs and coming up with their own stuff. And then, and then I started, like, trying my own hand at that. I, I went by the handle of Zombie Duck, if anyone <laughs> out there remembers <laughs> Zombie Duck. George, surely you remember that. What do we know? You're doing the, um, the Gwens, and then you love zombies. How do you not, you know... <laughs> You know, how did I not know? Duck. How did I not know Zombie Duck? Right. <laughs> yeah. Tailor made. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, exactly. I started uh, like doing all these customs of uh, dunnies um, and posting them and getting feedback and. Wow. I should remember seeing uh, uh, Chris Rignac, uh custom on there back in the day, and I was wow. just like, "Oh my god, that's so much better than anything I can do." <laughs> Uh, Way to go, Chris. Shattering guys' <laughs> dreams and hopes. Right. <laughs> I'd say you're doing pretty okay for yourself today, though. You're doing some really awesome work today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, style evolves over time, and, and you kind of find yourself, I think. Sure. When did you, when do you think you found, like, your, your style that you have today? Like, how do you think you – what inspirations or how long many years do you think it took to finally get you to the point where you are today? Yeah, I don't know. It just – I think it was a slow little shifts here and there and then kind of pursuing something original and fun <laughs> and something that speaks to who I am. Right. And when you closed down Bold Hype, did you know that you were going to jump right into 
doing art. I know you do designs and artwork for like kids app games and stuff too, but you also started designing a world of characters of your own. You started sculpting and then you got into, you know, toy production. Did you, did you know before you uh, closed the gallery that was a direction that you were wanting to head? Um, not directly, uh, but towards the end, I was doing more of my own art. In the back room of the gallery, I was kind of setting up a little studio painting and you know, sending my own artwork to other galleries. But the uh, the, the sculptural elements kind of came later. Again, with the uh, the toy scene seemed, for me at least, uh, kind of it's burgeoning again. Is that something you guys are feeling like? it's It took a lull, but now it's coming back? Yeah, I've heard several people say that. I, I think we're having definitely a, like a, another wave. I don't know what wave we're in. Maybe this is the third or fourth wave. But I know a lot of people say they started noticing the difference, you know, around 2009 during the crash and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like it was later. I feel it was somewhere between like 2000. 12, I started noticing like a slight dip in interest and stuff like that, and it it has evolved into something different than when you first started collecting. It's I think it's a lot more designers doing stuff today than say you know established artists like it was back then. There's a lot more self production and independent you know producers doing resin work, and definitely a lot more pop culture influence in our toy scene today too. So, but yeah, I think there's definitely a resurgence going on. Right. Well, yeah, for me. Like I said, I started collecting, you know, the Dunny Series 1, and then there was Series 2, and then there's Series 3, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden you, you you don't see the end of it, and yeah. um, you, you're walking into, like, Urban Outfitters, and there's Dunnies there, and uh, it was just too much. Like, I, I lost track. I, I couldn't keep up. Yeah, I get that. But then, um, yeah, now I started noticing kind of more aesthetics that um, appealed to me, and uh, I'm finding... You know, little you know, indie artists and artists overseas that are, are doing some really cool stuff. Now, what appeals to you? What appeals to me? Um, yeah. Um, do you like the sculptural stuff or do you like the more simplified stuff? Like, as far as the dunny goes, do you prefer it when it's just artwork or designs applied to this, the basic dunny platform? Or do you like it, you know, now where they're headed more in a, uh, a very almost heavy sculpted dunny in, the, in most of the new series? Right, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the artist when it comes to dunnies. Uh, I'm not really collecting all that many dunnies anymore. I'm focusing more on uh, indie artists and, and finding things uh, through Instagram or whatever. A, a lot of, like, Japanese and Asian vinyl. And... That's so hard to keep track of. Are you, how are you doing at it? Just, uh, it seems like constantly new artists and companies to stay on top of. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think... Instagram is a is an awesome tool for for our scene. You get to discover new artists, you can check out what they're doing behind the scenes and I don't know, that's how I discover a lot of new stuff, just sifting through uh, Instagram and then you can send someone a message and a lot of the times they're like, "Yeah, sure. Send right. me your address and here's my PayPal." Huh. And, well, speaking of finding new stuff, how about we jump into our segment, Leaks and Sneak Peaks, for just a brief moment, and then we'll get back to you. Are you familiar with Leaks and Sneak Peaks? Yes, I am. All right, and George, you got something? I can. I got. I got plenty of things. Oh, okay, good. Eric, with you being our guest this evening, how about you go first? All right. Yeah, you. Uh, you kind of mentioned uh, the segment, so I was scouring the uh, the dark web for something. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's, um, hard, it's, it's harder to find something than you would expect, right? 
Yes, it is. Just um, because to listen, for listeners, like you don't know, it's like when we're looking for leaks and sneak peeks, we're, find, we're trying to find something that hasn't been widely talked about, something that hasn't already like been released. Like we're trying to find something for next week that's going to be like somewhat fresh for you, and that's that's not easy to come by because it just isn't. It's just it's it's harder to find a leak than you would actually assume. Yeah, all the toy blogs are are so good at what they do. But yeah, I did find something that I didn't really see mentioned anywhere. And that was a, it's kind of a cool uh, Sofubi version of the Tofu Man. I don't know if you know that guy with like the cube head. I do. He's been around forever, I guess. Um, but I haven't really seen one like this. It, it's all white and it's uh, Japanese vinyl. I'm taking it. They're calling it Sofubi. And it's about five inches tall. Okay. And right now it's just a pre-order. I think it's just a prototype they're showing, and it's about $40, and you can find it at milkcargo.com. Milkcargo.com. Now, is it meant to be a blank, do you think, with it being all white? I don't know. I think, like, I, I, I copied and pasted this the text into Translator. <laughs> Babblefish or yeah. something like that? <laughs> no, it was just a Google Translate, and I don't know, it says... The first bomb with pure white color to meet with the fans. The number is very rare. Very valuable collection. You know what? I think you just created a new segment for the show. <laughs> Google translations of toy news. I do. Uh, this is it. Thank you. Next episode. Yep. That's what the game's going to be. <laughs> Try and guess the toy from the Google Translate. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I don't know what they mean by the first bomb. <laughs> no idea. You know, speaking of bomb, should we bring up the dope? Can you say dope? dope. Can, you, can you say can you say dope for me? Sure. Gosh, that's dope. <laughs> no, that's exactly how I pictured you saying it. So, what, listeners, what you don't know is, I posted something on Instagram, and um, it was like it was it was the Hermes, the mini Hermes that um, we did with um, Flat Bonnie, and uh, you commented dope, <laughs> and. <laughs> I, I had to chuckle out loud, and I had to let you know. It's like I can't. I met you at five points, and I just cannot picture the word "dope" coming out of you. I, I don't. Know, I just found like I chuckle out of that. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I'm way too dorky to be using that word, but I feel like um, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe the dorks can take it. <laughs> George, George, say "dope" for me. Dope. <laughs> It doesn't work for you either. Dude, it's dope. <laughs> you got to take all the attitude and coolness out of it and be like, wow, that's, wow, that's dope. <laughs> I, it's like when I was a skater kid and my dad, he would like try to assimilate with us and he'd use words like, that's radical, son, or that, that's awesome. And it just, it, I don't know, we would look at him weird because it just didn't come out of him right. And I'm not trying to make fun of you at all, but, no. it, it's, but you know what I mean. I say, it was, you know, it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. It's... Um... I kind of giggle when I say it online. I, I rarely use it in real life, but it's, okay. <laughs> it's funny to use it, you know, especially when commenting on something like a cute toy. Like, Right, right. I mean, it's, it's just not something I was excited to coming from you. I mean, I'm not an expert on the word, you know, the, the entomology of the word dope, but I'm pretty sure it's not like the white guy from Sweden. It's, uh, yeah. But it, it's, it's funny because it is such a common term now, but I don't know. It, it's funny. It just it wasn't something I was expecting, but... Um, anyways, where were we? What were we talking about? I sidetracked it with that one. Dope things. Dope. Dope. Dope, dope things. Dope news. Dope toys news. 
Your turn to leak something, I think. Oh, that's right. You were talking about the uh, the white tofu guy, and we're trying yeah. to decide what the uh, what the bomb was of the translation, and I I, I have no idea. Maybe drop. <gasps> oh, maybe. Could be. Oh, this is going to be a fun segment. I'm going to pull a whole bunch of these over the weekend. <laughs> Drop that. Now, are you going to take like Spanky Stokes' announcement and then put it through Google Translate to something else and then retranslate it back and see what happens? Or are you going to find foreign stuff and just translate it? I, I mean, how would the Spanky stuff work? Because it's already in English. It wouldn't. Yeah, but you take it and you translate it to, you know, Japanese. Oh, double And you take that and you translate it to German. And then you take the German and translate it back Ooh, to English. I could do both. I could see what comes out as funniest. I think if you just run it through like two different, two different things, you'll get something good. Good. That's a good idea. I'll try that. It's you'll end up <laughs> poetry, I think. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Because I mean, those those translators are not very good. They're getting a lot better than they used to be, but they're still. I mean, I go to sometimes some of these Eastern websites, and I'll hit I'll hit translate, and it's, you know. Yeah, you can kind of get the gist, but it's also like you get a nose <laughs> reading it. Yeah, I mean, some of the best things I see on Instagram are actually of people that have, are traveling abroad somewhere where there's you know it's not the english language but they're seeing a signage or a toy right. or something where you know someone that works at a factory or a department store somewhere is doing what their translation of english is and it's so horribly wrong that it's hilarious and uh yeah i've seen the pictures of like the, the t-shirts that are just totally wrong and yeah. yeah raunchy and <laughs> grandmas are wearing them <laughs> um did you have another leak or is tofu all uh, you have well, I did mention to you earlier this uh, Red U Gang of Mountains and Thieves by Chino Lamb, mm-hmm. um, which is a really dope uh, figure <laughs> uh, right up my alley uh, with its uh, kind of goofiness. Goofy and, and kind of derpy looking and yet like really well sculpted. I, I really like that piece too. I love it. Um, yeah, if there's an element of you know dopiness... Or derpiness, uh, <laughs> I'm there. And he's wearing like he's like whole, like wearing like his life preserver, or not uh-huh. like, like it's not a life preserver. Well, it is, I guess. It's like a floaty yeah. life preserver, but he's a fish, and that's kind of around his waist. Uh-huh. Uh, Chino Lamb is doing. I I don't know where he came from. He just came out of the blue in the last two years, and every release he seems to be doing is uh, really really good. Yeah, he did like that uh, chubby cat guy before, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The um, the zoo series that Mame Mayashi was doing, and I gotta say, man, they're doing f- Mame Mayashi is doing phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really a leak because it's I guess it's old news, but it's finally out, I believe, in Asia. And um, did you through, get one? Well, through the wonders of Instagram, I was able to. I, I just kind of commented on someone who you know was posting their. They're loot from one of these conventions, I guess. And I saw it there. I'm like, oh, man, where can I get one? And someone was like, hey, I can help you out. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I got a bunch of, uh, like, direct uh, messages uh, saying, like, yeah, hold on. Let me get one for you. Just, you know, here's my PayPal. For the little mule fee of, like, 100 bucks? Yeah, well, yeah, probably. (laughs) You know what we're talking about, George? I bet you don't. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> I tuned out like four minutes ago. 
that's what I love about you, George. You're always in the know. So, okay, <laughs> let's, well, let's fold George into it and let's get... Uh, so, George, what did you bring for Lisa Sneak Peeks? You got like a, a Kickstarter or a pin? I'll, yeah, I'll do a little couch funded on you right here. All right, let's um, go couch funded. So, I, I have three things. I'm going to let you pick two of them. And then okay. I'm not even going to say anything about the third. So, you pick. I have Patches, I got Puppets, or I got Church. What do you want? <laughs> let's just get rid of Church. I don't want any religion on this show. <laughs> you know me though you really think it's going to be normal <laughs> no, no. <laughs> alright so we want patches and puppets patches and puppets let's do it alright so the patches is uh, it's actually a guy I've, I've backed many times before I think this is his 10th um, patch kickstarter this guy by the name of George Coghill and he does um, this, this one is called legendary legion folklore creature embroidered patches and they are, he, he basically all of his patch sets are, um, they're, they're branded as kind of like, there was ones that were like, you know, troll army or something Navy or something like that. So this one is the ogre brigade, the goblin squad, the troll army, the elf troop and the fairy force and the gnome patrol. And each one of them are darn, darn in like seventies black light style almost. Cool. Um, and they're just, you know, it's just a simple patch set. I think it comes out to like 10 bucks a patch or less, something like that, depending on which one you buy, if you want the exclusive and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can check that out. Just type in, probably just type in George Coghill would be the easiest way to find it. Um, or legendary Legion, maybe that will come up. It's probably, yeah, it's, it'll be funded in a couple days and probably in a day or so. By the time this is up, it'll probably be funded. It usually funds pretty fast. Um, so yeah, good on back this guy. He always delivers good. He always delivers, you know, around the time he says he's going to, he does all the artwork ahead of time and usually starts the patches ahead of time, at least getting samples made. So he knows that they're going to be on time. Um, he's got tons of his old stuff up. If you missed any of the old ones and you kind of like the look, he's done some Halloween ones in the past. He's done Krampus. He's done like Bigfoot stuff. So he's got a lot of, a lot of cool stuff to look on. Um, even if you're not into the new ones, you can get some of the old stuff now. Cool. Um, and then for puppets, uh, this is actually a, it's kind of a, a reset Kickstarter where they they did this in the past. Um, it's called Frank and Zed Puppet Monster Movie. These guys have done it. It's this guy, Jesse Blanchard, I think is how you say it. And I think he's up in Portland area and he's doing a, originally he was going to do a puppet short, a horror puppet short with, it's Frankenstein and a, and a zombie. And it's like their battle, I think. Okay. And then when they got funded last time, they got overfunded. So they got all like, they got super into it. And they, since they had extra money, they decided to make it a feature length. So they went from like a short 30 minutes to like 90 minutes. Wow. And it's, and it's a feature length thing and it's almost complete. They've done so much work on it. I've been, you know, I was a backer of the original one. So I have been watching all the updates and I get all the, you know, the, they, he posts like little scenes here and there. He did behind the scenes with all the artists and stuff like that. And uh, it looks incredible. The The puppets are really cool. Uh, there's a lot of like real effects in the like, you know, real practical effects in the puppet stuff. So like, you know, puppets hands are falling off, you know, for the zombie kind of thing and like teeth fall out or the guys like, you know, on fire and smoking and stuff like that. Like it, it, there's a lot of cool like, you know, because there's torch scenes and things like that. Then they make all of the sets too. Like they have, they rented this like garage and they've made all of these sets to have this puppet movie. Wow. So these guys have done a ton of work and they're asking for some finishing funds just to get the like 
the final push to make sure that the you know the sound correction is done well and all the you know the color correction in the end and everything just to kind of bring it home they're just trying to get over that that last little hump uh, right but they got the funds from the 30 minute video it was their decision to go and make a 90 minute version you know make it 60 minutes longer so shouldn't they be responsible for the funds at this point no i'm actually all for it i i think that this is well and that's the thing is they've delivered everything everything from the first campaign except for the film they've delivered okay. so all the stuff that they promised uh, you know outside of you getting the dvd is already delivered um and if they i'm sure that if he had to if they like if this didn't fund they would find a way to just make it happen anyway mm-hmm. um because you know it's going to they're make they're making this thing one way or the other they just want to have the little budget to kind of go above and beyond where they're going right so yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. I think this is uh you know, I, I've I have faith that these guys are gonna do it. They've been working really hard to get this thing done and uh yeah, I think this is it's gonna be really incredible when it's done. All the stuff I've seen so far looks really cool. That sounds awesome. It's uh puppets, not like stop motion. No, no, yeah, it's full it's full puppets, like just you know, old school, you know, hand in the hand up the back, <laughs> control in the mouth, you know, that kind of thing. And it's these guys are I don't know how, I don't know when the last full puppet movie was but what is it meet the feebles maybe <laughs> Like I don't I don't know I don't know if people I mean when's the last time someone made a full puppet movie Cuz it's not like Muppets where there's people too you know like that's oh, yeah. this is like 100% the cast is 100% puppet If I went right now and looked at the Kickstarter what would I see would I see like clips of what they've already finished yeah, they've got a. It's they don't have a full trailer, but they have a bunch of clips that they've shown. Um, he put up. I think one of the updates has um, all of the stuff. He went through the whole because they have the whole movie basically shot. So he went through and he wanted to take out ninety seconds or something like that. So throughout the whole thing, he cut you know a half a second here, a half a second there. So out of this ninety seconds that this guy cut, it's it's basically you could kind of see the movie in a way. Because yeah. it's all it's from all the different scenes, but they're literally like half a second here and like a second here, that kind of thing. It's really cool. They're, it's amazing just to see all the work they put into this. It's worth going just to check it out. If you're into puppets at all, these puppets are really cool. There's a lot of like sculpted stuff. There's, you know, just it's worth checking out just to see, you know, puppet work, really. See, the now Frank I'm glad Stein, that I kicked church out. This sounds better than church. Well, go up and look up Bob Dobb, Church of the Subgenius, too. Oh, Bob Dobb. You didn't say it was Bob <laughs> Dobb Church. Now, now I got to look you're it interested. up. Now well, I'm I'll interested. save that for next week. Okay. <laughs> Bob Dobb back in the gallery. You yeah. had Bob Dobb? Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you're going to want to go look up Bob Dobb on Kickstarter then. We okay. chose wrong, Eric. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but look, you got it out of me anyway. There you go. Enough to at least, you know, find it on our own. You gave us a little, a couple little hints. Exactly. And I'm just thinking about Meet the Feebles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go watch that again, too, if you haven't, if you haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'm next, and my leak is actually, it's actually, it's something you guys have probably seen already by now. It's been, it's been seen for a couple of weeks, and actually it, it saw its pre-release at New York Comic Con, but it's the Kill Cat, the six-inch vinyl toy by Andrew Bell, which for anyone who hasn't seen it, is kind of like an evil anthropomorphic Kit Kat bar. And uh, the Kill Cat was originally seen in 2012 as part of Andrew's 
Killer Candy series of evil candy sculptures that he created at uh, Stranger Factory. They have a Halloween group show that they do every year. And uh, so that's where they first saw him. So it took five years. Five years later, Andrew has finally made these available to the masses in vinyl. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, Dude, I'm excited for that piece. I think it looks so it's cool. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And uh, each vinyl Kit Kat figure comes sealed in a uniquely evil-themed Kit Kat-styled foil wrapper that you need to tear open to get the toy out, which is housed in a, it's, it, it was actually the toy is actually housed in a two-part clamshell inside the foil wrapper. So you know the toy is somewhat protected, but but you um, have to break the seal to get it. But you still have to tear it open like a regular candy. There's, there's no oh, like, that's awesome. There's no clean way to open it. Like you have to tear it like a normal candy. And inside is the toy inside a two-part clamshell. And one thing that's great about this toy is like Andrew's always done great packaging for his toys, but I think the Kill Cat might be the best one yet because. You know, as George, no one wants to keep the packaging. So this, the packaging's not bulky. There's no window box. So you have to take out the toy. And yet, if you decide to keep it, the packaging looks amazing displayed either next to the toy or if the toy is still coming out of it. You, I've seen photos of it, like still in the, you know, the torn wrapper and his teeth look like he's kind of like gnawing his way out of the packaging. So I think it's you know, brilliantly executed by by Andrew. And yeah, I mean, you want to keep that torn wrapper. That's part of it. Like a torn wrapper yeah. with a can, like the candy guy coming from it. That's amazing. Exactly. The fact that it's part of the toy, and it's it's not big. It's not a big bulky item. It's just kind of this small candy wrapper. It kind of goes along with it. It's I think it's really you know toss the the toss the clamshell, but keep the uh, you know keep the foil wrapper. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't yeah. know that happened. That's cool. Yeah. So it's uh it's going to be available in. Uh, well, first, it's going to be a milk chocolate colorway, but what's cool about it is 1 in 10 is going to be a dark chocolate chase with glow-in-the-dark eyes. So that's pretty cool. And uh, they're currently available for pre-order for $39.99 at most vinyl toy retailers and Andrew Bell's web store, deadzebra.com. Well, if you pre-order now, you're expected to have a shipping date of late October, so you're not going to have to wait long. And if you're going to be at DesignerCon, Andrew Bell will be there. He'll be there exhibiting, have his own booth. So he will also be, have these available there. And um, along with the Kill Cat, he's also releasing a new mini-series of blind-boxed keychains called Uno Single Servings based on his own designs. And those are rad also. I think those are going to be $6.99. Um, so that's really cool to see Andrew you know, delving into the, the blind box. Well, he's been doing Androids for a while, but I think this is the first time he's done a blind box series of his own his own design so this is cool yeah that's great yeah and i reached out to andrew for a little bit of the information on these i want to make sure it was a foil wrapper and he says it is a foil wrapper but it's it's like a heavy duty foil wrapper it's a little more than a kit kat so it, it's a good heavyweight uh, foil wrapper but he also told me he is going to have a secret production collaborative toy between himself and another artist releasing it designer con so i don't know what that is but that's pretty cool that cool uh Look forward to something else come uh, in a couple weeks. And the nice thing about those Kill Cats is like the, the way Kit Kat puts out candy, it's unlimited colorways. Oh, yeah. They have so many different colors of so many different flavors. Yeah, one of the ones he did back in 2012 was, you know, over in, I think, Japan, they have a green tea colorway. Yeah, you got to do the green so, tea. Green That's tea. So good. And uh, someone just went over to Japan. They came, in my work, went over to Japan. They came back and they gave me a. I think it was like a wasabi Kit Kat or something like that. Nice. So let's, you're, you were right. There's so many different flavors. And uh, 
there's co- probably a cookies and cream and so yeah i mean if it does well for them and i think white it will, chocolate you got to do everything i mean I, I'll, i'd yeah. buy every color of those i can't yeah. eat kit kat so i'd love to have all these <laughs> and one of the other kind of candy killers he did was uh, so he did the kill cat but he also did these ones called kisses of death which were little hershey kisses with the same like anthropomorphic evil transformation and i think if the kill cat does really well i i hope that he would consider self-producing the uh, the kisses of death you know as a follow-up that would be amazing it's oh. i wish like someone from the candy company would see this and like get behind it and just like make it huge because it, it's such a cool thing that if someone was smart there they would they would run with it and make it an official thing i agree totally and this yeah. is the kind this is the kind of mashup crossover that I like. It's not you know, a lot of people today are doing, you know, licensed work, you know, unlicensed work and they're kinda of mashing up. You see it all the time on bootlegs, but which is fine, I have no problem with, but I think this is a little more creative in what in what he's doing. It's sort of like an untapped area and maybe some other artists have you know have done renditions of, you know, evil candy. I'm sure I'm sure they have, but yeah, I've always. Well, I mean, loved... how many, how many at Halloween? How many like uh, candy corn monsters have you seen? A exactly. zillion, you know. Right. So it's like it's not like right. a new idea, but then it's there's something different about it than like the Ron English propaganda serial stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's something different about this that I just I find more enticing for some reason. And I don't know why, but it's just maybe because it's like it's become his own. It's a, it's an Andrew Bell character instead of like taking a, a Rice Krispie character and making him fat. Like this is this is different in a way like because there isn't like a Kit Kat character you know it, I don't know for some reason it just seems different and I just like this more yeah yeah it doesn't feel like he's you know making a statement about candy being bad it's just you know it happens to be an evil candy bar yeah you're just making a fun character yeah plus it's very it's like it's still you can see his art in it you know you can still see his style yep so it's cool and what's cool, even back when he did the original, the one-off sculpts in, what, five years ago, like, even back then he did the unique, the wrappers to, to coincide with it with all sort of little descriptions. I think the expiration date of the Kill Cat is like 666 and stuff like that. It's like nice little touches like that I think are really cool and unique. And, and Andrew's always been great at doing packaging to kind of complement his toys. And it was really good also, too. I think the price is great. It's a six a sanctions toy with a unique packaging and it's it's not outrageous it's only forty dollars i think that's a i don't know to me it sounds like a great price point yeah for sure i actually got to uh fondle his uh kit kat oh that's right you were you were at uh new york comic con i know that was released through the my plastic heart booth and as well as your uh dessert oracle so yeah yeah that makes sense that you got to, to fondle it yes i did um they took it out of the the case and I heard it. I, I heard it did really well. I heard it sold out at New York Comic Con. So now they're just waiting for the. I assume what happened is you know Andrew probably had his, you know, manufacturing samples you know flown over for New York Comic Con, and now we're just waiting for the, uh, the cargo ship to bring over the rest and then you know distribute them to the world. Right. Yeah, that's what they told me too. Like it was already sold out. They had like one left that they let me uh, check out. Nice. Well, let's get back talking to you, Eric, but well, well, first, let's take a little break and mention our sponsors. So, first off, for all your designer toys, needs, wants, and desires, be sure to head on over to strangecattoys.com, uh, fill up that cart, and be sure to use promo code MARSHAM at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. Also, we have 3DRetro.com, and 3D Retro also has an amazing brick-and-mortar location out there in beautiful Southern California. So, while you're out there at DesignerCon, be sure to stop by um, 3D Retro. 
And for all your daily designer toy news, be sure to check out SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. Well, let's get back to talking about you and your, your dessert oracle that you recently had. How was New York Comic Con for you? That was the first release of Des- Dessert Oracle, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a little sneaky pre-release. Uh, originally, I planned it for uh, Designer Con, but uh, they showed up early, and you know, I was talking to uh, you know Vin from My Plastic Heart, and good guy. We concluded that you know there's no reason not to have them there. Sure. Okay, so they're not sold out because I went on your website to try and find one, and there was it's not up there, so it's not sold out, right? Like I said, it, officially, I, I was going to release them at, at Designer Con. It was just like a little... Uh, like a pre-release? Sneaky... Yeah. Uh, so after Decon, yes, they're going to be online, and I'm going to try to get a little bit of distribution going for that. Now, you're going to be at Designer Con, though, so anyone who wants one, we can pick it up there, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna be in the artist... Uh, I don't think all the artist alley or what. It's... Uh, I believe it's a separate building, like Hall C. Oh yeah, yeah. So you'll have one of the artist tables then. Yes, and I'll have them there. Nice. Are you gonna? Can you can you bring some of your Pizza pins too? Yes. Or however you say that. There. As okay. Because well. I'm gonna buy one of those, and I'm gonna buy the new guy. <laughs> Dope. So let's let's <laughs> let's talk about your your characters. That I mean, you've already. I mean, you're half off to a nice start. I think you didn't. Even, I think I first you know noticed you. At five points, you had the booth set up, and you're selling the wizard. And wow, it, it blew me off my feet. I, I bought two right on the spot. And then, I said, Jesus, thank you. That that was May. We're not even what six months later, and you already have your your second vinyl toy out. That's impressive. Yeah, um, I applied for decon kind of late, and not fully expecting to get in. And then you know they emailed me back saying like, Yeah, we love your stuff. Please join us. And I was like, oh, oh, God, I got to have something <laughs> something new, something cool, oh, yeah. God. And um, I uh, I messaged Pretty in Plastic to see what would be possible in such a short time. And, and yeah, they, they actually made it happen. Much and sooner. got it in early, apparently. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> okay, Eric, what's the secret sauce here? I mean, so most people, when we're going over to China for production, it's, it's a, a nine-month ordeal. To send it over, oh, go through the. You know, didn't it no. say on the last packaging made in Mexico, though, right? Yes. The, yeah, the first. Uh, the, There's um, the secret. There you go. Wizard was in, in Mexico, and uh, and yes, this one is in was made in China. Oh. Oh. Oh wow, that's fast. You got yeah. a really good turnaround for China. It yeah, it wasn't. I think it would surprise everybody. I don't know what they did or said or <laughs> what, but they must have squeezed me in and made it happen. So do you notice any uh, difference in quality going from Mexico to China then? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a definitely a different type of vinyl, but uh, I'm super happy with it. Uh, I was super happy with uh, the Wizard. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll right. tell you, if, if if there's anyone out there who doesn't have the Wizard yet, as soon as Gary told me about it after he got back from New York that time, I went immediately on the site and bought one. And uh, I, I love this little guy. He's sitting on my desk right here next to me now, so... Uh, I can definitely, I can definitely vouch for the cuteness of this figure, and I'll be first in line to get the next one at Decon. Wow, thanks. Right, a maybe lot. not first, but I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have? I love the wizard too. And do you foresee having any other colorways come out of them? Uh, stick yeah. with the original release. No, I mean, I want to do a, 
the pink uh, translucent version. Okay. Uh, and it's in the works. And might be done by Decon. Maybe not. We'll see how things go. Okay. I think I did see a leak of that on your Instagram account. And I think it looked really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had like an early prototype of that. Now, let me ask you this. Did you know that you were just going to go right into self-production? Or did you maybe shop around some of these designs before you know going the self-production route? Um, no, I mean, I guess maybe it's a question of not being very well known. You know, I hadn't done anything. I'm just, you know, some guy. Um, so I, I didn't even really attempt to go down that route. I just I jumped right in and, and, and tried to produce something to uh, get it out there and and see how people responded. And, uh, yeah, the, the Wizard was such a small run that, yeah, I managed to do it on my own, and I had a lot of support and advice from um, my plastic heart. Um, those guys kind of yeah, cool. walked me through the process, and I, I was showing them all my designs, and they really liked the wizard. So yeah. they know what they're talking about. They have a good uh, pulse on the market. So I'm glad you took their advice. Yeah, for sure. I can see, uh, you know, I can see Designer Toy Awards coming up in May. I, I know this is early, but I like to make these predictions. I think the wizard's going to be in there. I don't know what category, but it's going to be in there. And if Breakthrough Artist is still around, I think I think you're definitely going to be in that one as well. Well, I think you might win it too. Wow, right. making predictions. I know, but I, I was right last year, George. The two predictions I had, I got right. So I'm, I'm feeling bold, and I'm feeling like, yeah, sad salesman, Breakthrough Artist of the Year. <laughs> I can only hope. Well, be sure to mention me when you uh, you know give your your acceptance speech. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> it'll just be about you. <laughs> it is the DTA. So anything can happen. You could you know there might be someone in there who's been around for the last five years or something and, and steal it away from you. But I like you as my horse. I, I do. So do you do you like you know, like all right? How am I put this? Is your artist name Sad Salesman? Should people be calling you Sad Salesman, or do you want people to call you Eric? <laughs> Well, I guess it depends. Um, I mean, it's fine uh, for like, you know, like a show or, you know, some kind of um, display. If it says sad salesman, that's a, that's fine. But like if you see me on the street, <laughs> I, that might be a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it as far as that. I, I just kind of went with it. <laughs> Did it sort of start out as sad salesman just kind of being like your brand and somehow it sort of got attached to you as being your name and like your moniker? Yeah, because it's just me, really. But yeah, I, I created this, I sat down and I was, I think the, the original was a was a painting I did. And you know, I was just trying to think of like a really sad figure because, you know, if, if you make like a really sad but cute character, it's, uh, and you can't help but feel for them. And it's, it's appealing in a, in a way. And like the saddest thing I could think of was this, uh, yeah. This little, you know, failure of a salesman. <laughs> uh, and if, any, if anybody hasn't read Sad Salesman, go to his website and read the comic. It's only, it's very short so far, but I'm sure it's continuing. But go read the Sad Salesman comic on the website. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. You've, you've read it, I think. I have, yeah, many times, actually. No. <laughs> I like to go back and look at it again, just because <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I had kind of a flow of... of um, all these ideas for him but then I, I took it to a point where i'm like well where can i go from here 
And then I have some ideas brewing, and I'll probably have a, a second wave of new adventures for the Sad Salesman. Well, the Sad Salesman is just one of your designs. Like, you're, when I met you at Five Points Fest, your table was just filled with one-off sculptures and all amazing, you know, character designs. Like, as a collector, you, you sort of wanted everything at your table, but you were only selling the wizard, and, and now you have the Dessert Oracle. So what was your thought process, or how did you come to the decision to do the Dessert Oracle as the follow-up, you know, vinyl toy behind the wizard? Well, I actually went did... Uh, some research. I was very diligent. I did like a little online poll on uh, Facebook and on Instagram where I showed like four or six different options and I had A, B, C, D and um, just like comment on, you know, which one would you like to see? And even though it was, you know, it was a little bit tight between uh, an Oracle type of character and I'd also have this uh, symbiosis character, uh, which is like this headless kind of Bigfoot guy who has a tiny little dude on top. That serves oh, I saw that one. It's cool. It's such a fun looking thing. That serves as his head and, and you know, <laughs> neither of them can kind of function without the other. So it was, it was a bit of a tight race between the two. But what I found was like people who are really into like the toy scene, they would tend to vote more towards uh, the symbiosis guy. And then your average person, I don't know. If <laughs> That's the right word, but <laughs> average. <yeah. laughs> um, they all went for the the oracle, so I figured maybe that has more mass appeal. You know, to me, I, you know, I love them all, so I just went with that one. I love the stacking aspect of the uh, the oracle. I also like the the long skinny legs with all that weight on top, and plus you have that you have the mix of expressions. You got the uh, sort of looks like. Um, angry and quizzical guy up top like the smart the brainiac who wants no business of being on top of these guys <laughs> then you got the you know the the happy-go-lucky bunny in the middle eating his ice cream and then you got the big guy on the, on the bottom who's also happy so you got a a good like a you know covers a lot of ranges yeah thank you yeah it kind of just happened organically as a you know i'll start with the bottom guy and then you know i have to balance it out with something else and then once i got to the top it just felt right that he would be grumpy and, and unsatisfied about something <laughs> you know i got a i got a beef to pick with you eric actually recently you had a you know what was it uh you, you showed a picture of your toy on instagram and you said like give them a caption it was like a three word bubbles for each character yeah. and if your caption won you win the toy uh-huh. now personally i mean not not that i i guess i'm a little biased being it was my submission <laughs> but i feel that my submission was the best of them what? all <laughs> I think I think the winner was good, but mine was better. Not at all biased, though. No, no, not biased at all. Can you can you say yours again? Because I'm not sure. No, if... sure. I can actually sing it for you. It's uh, loosely based. Oh. Well, not loosely. Okay. It is based on a very popular right said uh, Fred song. Uh-huh. Um, it goes. Here it goes. The bottom guy. I'm too sexy for my hat. Middle guy. Too sexy for my hat. Top guy. I don't know about that. <laughs> I had something, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, Gary. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not feeling it. Well, and maybe it's it's a yeah. My brain comes to a halt because they're they're not really hats. <laughs> no, but they are hats. I mean, the way the way that I wrote it, they are hats. They're each wearing each other as hats, and the top guy's like, I'm not a part of that. <laughs> no, oh, you get points for Brian. All right. Uh, 
agree to disagree. It happens. There were, yeah, there was a lot of cool uh, submissions to that one, actually. And there were, there were. Some of them were really close to capturing, you know, the kind of essence. And even though the winner, maybe not like was a not like a total bullseye, but it's something that I feel like could have transpired between the characters. That sounds that sounds a little biased to me. <laughs> yeah, I just Gary, Gary, you lost fair and square. It's okay. I did. It's I okay. Know. I was such a bad loser. You, you <laughs> lost. So you can try again next time. <laughs> just, I, right. I'll accept my loss. The winner was the bottom guy goes, knock knock, and the middle guy goes, who's there? And the top guy goes, who cares? See, that was, that's no, that's, that's not funnier. It's a knock-knock joke. It's not better than right said Fred. But I'll still buy your toy. Yeah. But yeah, the, I think the oracles, uh, there's maybe in the hindsight, some exploration of, of like the humor of, of being passive, but still having an opinion. You know, like it's the, uh, the, the guys who are just along for the ride. It's kind of funny to me that one of them is so unhappy about it, you know, even though he doesn't have to do any of the work, which might be, you know, inspired by my kids. I don't know. Yeah, I see. I see a lot of me in that top guy. <laughs> I wonder. You know, why. I like that side eye. I like the little anger. <laughs> you know, when I look at it, it's like the Marsham Toy Hours. Like I'm the guy in the bottom carrying all the weight, and then Teresa's in the middle, like happy-go-lucky as can be, and then George, you're on top, kind of like disgruntled. It's us. <laughs> Now, with it being an oracle, why didn't you? I think there were some really well thought out um, oracle fill in the bubbles. Right. Why didn't you go that direction? Mm. Yeah, I mean, originally, or, or one thought I had for the packaging was to have all these quotes from, you know, what a dessert oracle might be saying. Um, but I, I, the thing happened so fast that I couldn't think of all the clever things to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Coming up with that sort of stuff and the story, the backstory, yeah. even sometimes packaging design is, you know, you got the figure and now you have to like come up with the, the packaging and that's a whole new set of challenges in itself. Yeah, for sure. I, I had no idea. Uh, like they sent me the template and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> oh, which side is up or down? So I actually reached out yep. on uh, social media and, and I got some help from uh, an artist. She goes by the uh, name of Angry Duck, and she had some experience in uh, packaging, so she could decipher this uh, template for me. Nice. So how's the how's the balance on that figure? Was that an issue? Like, cause... Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was a little scary, but I think I learned a lot from uh, the wizard, which, you know, again, I, I had no idea if it was going to stand. So at first I had him... 3D print the model through what is that Shapeways? So are you? Yeah. Are, wait, are you sculpting these digitally? Uh, no. Well, I have an original, but I feel like you know this is going to be a you know a mass-produced thing, and I want it to be like perfect, which uh, you know may or you know may or may not agree with that. But being my first toy, and you know if it didn't sell, I didn't want it to be like oh it's because my goofy you know not perfect model was not what people wanted. That's part of the charm of your characters, though. I really like that, you know, the hand sculpted stuff really lends well for your characters. Right, yeah, and I, and I might grow the self, what do you call it? Uh, I don't want to say the balls, but uh, <laughs> 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 to be brave enough to include, like, my own mistakes in there, maybe in the future. It was just, you know, this being my first toy, uh, maybe I wasn't confident enough to do, you know, a copy of something that's so, you know, handmade and imperfect. Sure. I had some help uh, from actually my neighbor 
who's into you know all this 3D stuff. He hooked me up with a, with a guy who could look at the model and and make a perfect 3D version. Okay. Yeah. So the first step, I I had it 3D printed just to see if it could stand because that was a you know a big issue. And uh, yeah, it stood perfectly. So I just went ahead. I think also from you know doing my own models, uh, I noticed that how important a little heel is, mm-hmm. even though that's not something maybe I I, I would choose from a design point of view but adding a little bit of heel on there you know it it almost guarantees that it's going to stand and and with the dessert oracle i actually contacted an old buddy who does all these 3d stuff and i sent him a drawing and from all the angles and uh made a note about the heel and so i was fairly confident that it would work and and it did i didn't even do a, a 3d printed test with that Nice. You know what appeals to me probably most about your work is just they're beautiful, like simple, clean forms, and they're they're balanced really well. They just make great silhouettes. Um, you know, I've never I, I can appreciate the heavily sculpted stuff, but it doesn't particularly appeal to me. I tend to like the cleaner stuff that's more shape based, and, and that's what your work is, and and that's what I really that's really what draws me to your work. Plus the expressions, I think that they're they're fantastic. They, like you said, they draw you in. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's good kind of like what I look for in toys, that simple but endearing and quirky quality. Now for the third one, now you're going to have to have, you're just going to have to keep going. Every six months, I want to, every six six months, months. I want a new toy for now. Every six months, I expect a new toy. This is ridiculous. Every decon, every five points, new toy. Okay, Eric? Okay. And uh, for the next one, uh, I want the the traveling turtle with a little guy on top. (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. I love that guy. Um, I love the little boots. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes makes me smile. The uh, the idea of a turtle walking across your room and you can hear the little click clack of <laughs> boots. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so make that okay. happen. Contact uh, Pretty in Plastic or whoever you're working with and get it get it going. All right. <laughs> you don't want the sad salesman next? Come on. That would be pretty awesome. I so. did do a three D print of, of the sad salesman. There's a guy on on Instagram. I think he goes by Engine Cogs. And he's like this young kid who does 3D and it's just incredible um, turnaround. And, and his, yeah, he hooked me up with a 3D model of the Sad Salesman. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I did end up doing a 3D print. Uh, I painted him and I, I think I had him there at, at five points. I don't know if you saw him. I'm not sure. You had a lot there. My man just kind of got lost in the masses. Maybe. And you also been doing custom work. I saw you did a really nice custom labbit for the um, the Pix Circus theme show there at uh, New York Comic Con, and it was fantastic. I love that piece. Oh yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, Pick is they've been really super awesome with me. I have a, actually I have a few like originals sitting there now, and I was there for like a signing at their shop, and kind of like the last minute they're like, oh yeah, then we're doing this labbit thing. You you want to do a custom? you have time? And since I never say no to anything, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, I got a labbit and took it home and had to think of a circus theme and I turned it into an elephant. And... I loved it. And I, <laughs> I want it. And maybe if anyone at Kid Robert's listening, please, I want that as a mass production labbit. I, I, I need it. Please. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I, I... And again, if that happens, you should thank me again. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I will it. continually thank you <laughs> <laughs> for whatever happens. 
What are you sculpt? What do you What are you sculpting in? By the way, I'm using um, Magic Sculpt. Um, you know, it's okay. a two part epoxy that you you know you mix together equal parts, um, and then it's you know I guess it's a chemical reaction that, that starts, and you have about. You gotta work quick. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, it's like an hour before it starts getting a little hard to work with. But so I end up working in, in small sections, and uh, it also reacts really well with water. It becomes yeah. think of you know regular clay like uh, pottery. Uh, you you can actually smooth it out with water, which uh, you know the the opposite is true for Sculpey. Water just beads right off. Right. That works well for me. It might not work well for other people, but uh, I, I really like that aspect of being able to shape it with like clay. And um, sanding is, is super, it responds super well to sanding. It does. I haven't worked in it much, but I can I agree with everything that you said. Usually I only use it when I'm doing a custom. I need to add a little something to it. I've never actually sculpted a full figure, but for just little added details to a custom or something, I use Magic Sculpt and water always works great. And then, yeah, the sanding is always – it's like butter. It just sands really yeah. easily. And I think it, exactly if you're making an entire uh, you know, one-off that you're going to you know, put in the show and sell, I feel like uh, this Magic Sculpt has a, more of a permanence and – uh, than than Sculpey. Like Sculpey would be great if you're just making, you know, something that's going to be molded. And but, uh, you know, if you have a one-off that you're putting in a show and it's going to, you know, go in someone's home, um, the Magic Sculpt really lasts and is durable and it's strong and feels good. It's so strong, and I'm amazed that it stands so well. I was actually turned on to it by uh, an artist named Valency Guinness, and her work is kind of like faux taxidermy, where it's just like the, the head's attached to like a plaque, uh, but it's often like animals with really long necks, and usually a lot of antler work. So the fact that you know she sends her work all over the world, and I, you know, it's, your stuff has to be really durable and strong. So the fact that she uses it, that's what turned me on to it, and I love that something that that's that strong sands so easily. Yeah, it's got a very unique feel. It's almost like somewhere between plastic and stone. <laughs> and you're trying to actually cast your own work, too. I think I saw it with you sculpted the beach ghost, and then you casted that yourself. Yeah, that was a, that was a funny story, or maybe not so funny, but it's a story. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do a piece for, you know, Spoke Art. They do all these uh, themed shows. Um, yeah. And I was invited to do for a Miyazaki the director of, uh, you know, Spirited Away and Ponyo and all these awesome movies. And my original idea was to do a Ponyo piece where I, I, I get like a fish bowl from the pet store and do like a little seascape in there and put a little Ponyo in there and then fill it with resin. So I was asking around and I got some recommendations for, you know, what kind of resin, a clear resin that would work in that scenario. But then I totally, I don't know, I got sidetracked or i didn't want to do that anymore uh i ended up just doing a straight up ponyo piece when she's in her like half fish half girl phase are you familiar with the movie or? never seen it no okay. <laughs> well i it's tuned like, out about four minutes ago creepy <laughs> the interpretation of uh, the little mermaid okay I ended up just doing a sculpture of her. And then I had all this resin and said, oh, what the hell? I'm going to try to do something with this. 
and I sculpted this little ghost guy, um, actually with Sculpey, which, like I said, is, is, is great for if you're going to do molding. And I just went to the art store, and I found this uh, remeltable stuff. Is this that yellow that yellow stuff that the uh, that I see in your Instagram? Yes. Yeah, uh, so I made a mold where, you know, the, the, the bottom of the guy is flat. I stuck them in, the, in a little plastic bowl that had a flat bottom. I put them in there. I poured the gooey molding stuff from the art store, and it all worked out. <laughs> it did. They, they look great. They're nice and clear, and I don't see too many bubbles or anything. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a few mishaps. It's really fickle. Like, I'm doing the exact same thing, and it turns out, and it doesn't turn out. I have no idea why, and you redo it, and then it works. You've been there, right, George? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is trial and error. I had just the uh, one of the last projects I was making. I mixed, you know, I mixed the resin, the A and B, and put in the mold. Wait the appropriate amount of time. Go and take it out, and it's cured. It had cured the outer. The outer bit had cured, but it literally felt like it was like Play-Doh inside, like inside of a resin shell somehow. So I could like move the figure around and like turn it and twist its head. And I was like, this is weird. So I was like, it's going to eventually set, right? Because like it's set on the outside. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Like, did I put too much tint in? Did I do like, did I not mix enough thing? I finally figured out I had done the measurement for a hundred gram batch on the part A and then a 50 gram batch on the part B. Mm. And I was, I just completely messed. I was looking at the wrong you know, looking at the wrong number chart when I was doing it and I just spaced on it and did the wrong thing. But it was such a weird, you get that kind of stuff when you're doing, you know, when you're doing the stuff, sometimes you, you know, you hope that it always sets up at some points so you can get it out of the mold and you don't wreck your mold. But yeah, you're going to have a lot of trial and error with all this kind of stuff. Did you get the itch, Eric? Now, do you want to get a pressure pot and all that stuff and start doing a lot more resin casting? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, once you get into like the real, uh, you know, resin stuff, it's like, you know, kind of toxic, and I'm doing all this from home, and yeah, it's probably not the best environment unless you have a, a totally separate workspace. Yeah, no, exactly, and that's what that's what a lot of the. Uh, again, I reached out. I talked to. I got some advice from uh, Peter Cato. Yeah, he gave me some advice, which he later totally didn't remember giving. Uh, as far as as yeah, like resin, you need your own studio, and you don't want to be doing that from home. And but yeah, the, the this clear resin that I'm using is actually uh, like no VOCs and not toxic. Nice. Yeah. Can we expect uh, any Beach Coast at DesignerCon? For sure. Yeah, I have them all building my little army. Cool. And you just wrapped up doing New York Comic Con, so are you already all set for DesignerCon, or are you still burning the midnight oil getting ready? <laughs> well, since I don't say no to everything, to anything, I... Um, oh, man, you got to change that. I'm working on something all the time, and, and right now I'm, I'm super late on, on another piece for uh, Spoke Art. Uh, they're doing a Wes Anderson show. Oh, the snake piece that I saw on your Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Looks good. Thanks. It's looking good. Are you going to end up painting it? Yeah, I'm painting it now. All right, I was painting it all today. I, I was trying to figure out how to do like some kind of snakeskin stencil. I ended up buying like fishnet stockings and laying it over. Okay. Yeah, it's working <laughs> out, I think. Good. Yeah. yeah, trial and error. Experiment. You don't, you know, it's it's already late though, so you don't have time to do too much of experimenting. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm Get it super done. Super duper late. I got to <laughs> get this to them. 
You know what you should do is you should clear coat it and then instantly, like before it dries, wrap it up in bubble wrap it and ship yes. it. Yes, that's always. A- I hear that's a real popular thing for custom uh-huh. shows. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. So I know this is going to be your first designer con. So how about a little designer con one on one for you? Please. We got George Gaspar here. He's an expert. He's been doing it. Have you been doing designer cons since it was VTN? Since its very first. I did it since before it was even VTN. Whoa. When it was called Keister, and it was a key show. Damn. <laughs> and you've been, God, when was that? That must have been 2006, 5? Somewhere in there, yeah, early. 2005, 4, maybe? Let's give Eric some pointers on what to expect. Give me the lowdown. How much stuff are you bringing? I only have you know an artist's table, uh, but I'm bringing uh, you know, the remainder of my wizards and the beach ghosts and a lot of a whole lot of uh, dessert oracles. Okay. I've never had an easier loading experience than at DesignerCon. Their loading dock area and the ease of getting stuff from your car to the convention is, is by far been the easiest convention experience I've had. So if you are driving and you have that stuff and that's how you're planning on loading it, mm-hmm. Piece of cake. So so no worries there. That's easy. Even if you don't use the loading uh, dock, you just park on the street or if you get to the regular, the paid parking that where you keep your car all day, even that to walk in is easy. Yeah, uh, I'm staying at like a, an acquaintance's house and uh, I'll probably just be uh, taking a taxi or something. Uber. Uber, yeah. <laughs> all right, that doesn't sound too bad. Right. Um, do you have any, do you have anyone there with you? Is it going to be you by yourself or is your friend going to be helping? No, it's just me. Uh, well, how are you going to take pee breaks and stuff? You got to be able to eat lunch, bring some snacks, (laughs) get to know your neighbors. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I I did the same thing at at five points. The, yeah, the bathroom thing was the biggest issue, but it it worked out. (laughs) I made some friends and and they were able to watch my stuff for, you know, five minutes and I'll run back and well, tell you what, I'm not a vendor. I'm not stuck behind an exhibitor booth. So mm-hmm. for a small fee, maybe at a dessert oracle or something like that. I don't, mm-hmm. But <laughs> you can text me and I'll be right over and I'll, I'll manage your booth if you want to go out for, for lunch or, you know, take a pee break or, a, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm there for you. I'll just text the number one or two to you and you'll know. There you go. Yeah, let me know. That'll give me an idea of how long you know I can expect. <laughs> I'm saying it's, it's a service that I'm, I'm offering up to people this year. Great. I mean, this is kind of like the Oscars, right, where everyone needs to pee, and uh, they have fillers at the Oscars. So I am going to be a booth filler. So text me. Uh, I'll, I'll take care of you. <laughs> you just walk around and ask people, you need to pee? How are you doing? Well, it's, you know, I'm not offering it up to everybody, uh- but, you know. The people I like, I'll, I'll, it's a good service. I'll uh, offer up to you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What can you tell them about Hall C, George? I, I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Um, I mean, it's not. It, it sounds like it's far away because you're like, oh man, where is this? It's another room. It's literally right across the walkway outside the door. It's not like you could see it from the other hall. It's not like it's. It's not like it's far. Everyone in whatever room you're in, you always think the other rooms are better. So like right. the people, the people in the front in the in the in the carpeted room and the you know the one, they're always like, oh, our room is too dim. The big room is better because the lighting is better. And then the people in the big room are like, we don't have carpet. The carpeted room is where everybody likes to chill and hang out. And then the people in the in the hall C are like, ours is hall C. It's all the way across the hall. Nobody comes over here. And it's like that's 
none of that is true. Every like, if your stuff isn't selling, it's because you're not looking at anybody. Like, I've, the only people I've ever seen fail at DesignerCon are the people that sit there with their head down, looking at their phone, and not looking at people or talking to anybody. <laughs> like, if you're if you're a people person and you could talk to to people and have a conversation and and do your sales, you know, that's that's what it's all about. And of course, have cool product, but. Like the only reason that anyone's gonna fail there is if they're not trying. Well, you're golden, Eric. You got awesome product, and you're you know you're standing, you're engaging when people approach the booth. So, no worries. Yeah, I'm a, or or doing a pee pee dance. Probably. Yeah, or that when he's waiting for Gary's text. <laughs> uh, there's yeah, there's no bad spots. There's no bad location at, at DesignerCon. It's too the 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 audience doesn't let a bad location happen because the people that go to DesignerCon are there to look at everything. You know, they're they they have money. They come to spend, and they want to buy cool stuff from the artists that are there making it. And they go to every booth. Like it, it may take them all day to go to every booth or two days, but they go to like the people that go. They don't just wander around or just go to their friend. Like they go to every booth and look at everything. Yeah, that, that's great. That's cool. I, I I wish I can walk around, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you want, if you want to walk around, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Because I'm going to need a place to sit. I've been walking all day, so. Win-win. Win-win. Um, yeah, bring your snacks. But if, you know, let's say you didn't, there's a grocery store right across the street. And there's an outdoor, um, like a mall area. So there's food options, restaurant options, um, you know, food chain options. And then maybe what a block away is the main strip of downtown Pasadena. So once... You know, you close up shop for the night, you know, walk the strip, and there's tons of restaurant options and all that good stuff out there. Sweet. Um, they, they don't have, like, a food truck or anything like that that's out front? There was a rule against food trucks in Pasadena at the convention center, but I think that there's, a like, a loophole where they can park across the street. So I think that there are, there will be food trucks. I'm not sure about that. Okay, yeah. But there's, I mean, there's food literally across the street, oh, and there's a Starbucks in the building. So there's... You know, there's it's not you don't have to go far for food. There's a ton of restaurants in Pasadena. All right, what else? Well, some more designer con one on one. Yeah, is there um are there like events uh, like after parties or after something? Where... Uh, yeah, both Friday and Saturday. There's a there's a vendor after party on Friday. It's at the at a bar called the Wolf right down the street. Um, is you can walk there. It's you know a couple blocks down. Um, and then on Saturday there is an after party as well. Uh, that is for all VIPs. Um, I don't know. Do vendors get into that? I think I don't. I don't really know how to how to get into that. I don't really know any of the details, but I'm sure it's on the website. Um, but yeah, it's at the Masonic Hall. I think. Like, I think it's again like right across the street. It's pretty close. Okay. Now for the Friday night one, you said it's vendors. Is it vendors? Is it strictly vendors only, or any listeners? That aren't vendors, could they show up? I, I mean, it's an it's how, a how strict it's it? a public bar, so I mean, I think you could get into the bar, <laughs> but um, I don't know if there's going to be like a vendor only section where you'd have to have a vendor badge to get in. But I mean, come on, Gary, I, I'll get you a vendor badge. Oh, I wasn't worried about myself. <laughs> I'm thinking about the listeners, George. Well, they won't come till Saturday anyway, because on Saturday is when the when they show up. So vendors are in town early for setup. That's true. I do know on Thursday night, if you, when you're coming in, Eric? Yeah, Thursday night I'm coming in, but yeah. 
Okay, so I know the, the crew over at the Toy Chronicle, they're having like a pre-designer uh, con little shindig going on at the Doghouse, which is a, it's a little restaurant joint, burgers and beers and hot dogs and stuff. It's just maybe a block off of um, the main strip there in Old Town uh, Pasadena. So if, if that's anything that listeners are interested in, you want to hang out with Gary and the Toy Chronicle crew, um, have at it. They're going to be there on Thursday, November 9th from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. So get your uh, beard hugs there. Nice. And uh, us here at the Marsham Toy Hour, we're going to be over at the Bullmore on Saturday night. If anyone hasn't been to a Bullmore, it's an amazing bowling joint, uh, a bar set up, tons of video games, uh, amazing bowling lanes and all that stuff. So we'll be there on Saturday night. We haven't decided an exact time, so probably, you know, probably around 8 or 9 p.m. And we'll, we'll let everyone know once we know more details. Nice. You really like the atmosphere of Designer Con, Eric. It's, it's real casual. Um, everything is pretty much within walking distance. You don't really need a car unless there's absolutely somewhere where you want to go to L.A. or really outside of the area. Um, you can walk around Old Town uh, Pasadena. There's a mall across the street. A lot of people like to go and hang out at the BJ's. It's a restaurant over on the corner. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so everything's within walking distance. But the Bowmore that we're going to, I think it's about five miles away, so you probably need to, to grab an Uber or something if that's something you want to go to. Okay, right. cool. So you ready for a round of uh, lightning questions, Eric, before you wrap this up? What is that? Well, lightning round is like uh, anything in a game show where you get hit with a burst of questions and you just try to answer them as quickly and uh, as well as possible. All right. All right, let's give it a shot. <laughs> Do you recall what your first designer toy purchase was? Yeah, Dunny Series 1 blind box. Okay. What was your most recent designer toy purchase? Mm, it was a uh, Popsicle Mon. Awesome. That's a great one. Yeah. I wanted to get that myself. I don't even know what that is. What is it? It's called Popsicle Mon. It's a it's a toy coming from out of the east by uh, 16M Design. So you know those, you know double stick popsicles. Yeah. Okay. Well, someone made a, like a popsicle monster of that. So it's an anthropomorphic, you know, popsicle monster toy. So he's got two little feet at the end of the stick. So he stands on his own without any base, and it's like a you know he's got two faces on each side of the popsicle. So it's like the Siamese, very cool looking like melty popsicle guy. Yeah, the, and the little popsicle stick feet are just genius. Be- beating myself up for not thinking of it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Where do you get this well thing? Done. Uh, maybe mainly Asia, but I know you can pick it up at vvc.bigcartel.com, and it's like $38 plus, uh, plus shipping. Asia. <laughs> and they have some really cool new ones, too, with like chocolate-covered ones and stuff. Yeah, I like the original, though. I know I've seen some other ones, some other colorways, which are really cool, but for some reason the, the original is the most appealing to me. Right, but he, I think he has a new one. It's a different shape, a different type of ice cream. There's that one. Is that one upside down melting into the puddle? That's awesome. Is that part? Wow, these are cool. I've never even heard of this thing. Yeah, maybe they'll be at DesignerCon. I don't know. It says 16M Design. Is that the is that a company name? 16M Design. I don't know. This, these are cool. I like this guy a lot. Yeah, they're awesome. And I think it is 16M Design. I think that's probably the producer. I'm not exactly sure. And then I know it's a collaboration with another, like maybe like a design firm called Alienyland. But um, I don't know all the details. But we'll put a link to it in the uh, the Marsham notes. All right. all right. So next question. question. If given the op- yep, next lightning question. <laughs> if given the opportunity to to do your own vision of a license, what license would you choose? Ah, license. I, like, I'm not a huge fan of licensed stuff, so it would have to be something super cool. 
Um, yeah, it'd probably be Adventure Time. Nice. That's a perfect fit, actually. And no one else is doing it. <laughs> what toy have you purchased that made your wife squeamish in the price that you paid for it? <laughs> uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so she doesn't collect, uh, she's not into the designer toy stuff? Oh, God, no. <laughs> she, oh, she, she sees my, my mounting collection in, in horror. But she was into the art, right, when you guys did the gallery? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just not the 3D part of it. Yeah, no, she, was, she didn't make that leap into the toy world, I don't think. I mean, she... she so is she, is, she, is she more like the wizard giving you the side eye, or is she more like the top guy of the dessert oracle? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that, Gary. <laughs> Smart. Is, is she going to listen to this? Uh, let's see. In three words or less, describe designer toy to someone who's never seen a designer toy. Okay. Like a 3D art print. 3D art print. Yeah. You know, like like you can get a print of someone's painting. <laughs> I get you. Okay. I get you. I'm not sure if you... Did you succeed on that one, George? What do you think? I mean, I think that's exactly what they are. Okay. Then excellent. You did good. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's just last question. Being a student of filmograph- uh, filmography... What is your favorite Patrick Swayze film? Ghost. Nice. <laughs> Can I? Is Phil, is student of filmography the right way to say that? I have no idea. I don't think so. I'm not a student. I think maybe. student of film. Maybe student of student film. of film. Yeah. The filmography is like a a body of work of a certain thing, right? right? Like. I don't. I don't think. I think that's the wrong word. I was going to call it on you earlier in the episode, but I let it slide. But then you brought it up again, so I just couldn't let it go. Oh, so I sound like an idiot the entire episode, and now people realize. Ah, I got I you. saved it for the end. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, ghosts. Is it? Is it the uh, the clay scene that got you? Yeah. Where, the, where they're molding? He's reaching around and right. he's molding with his wife. You see it? Yeah, gotcha. we're doing a like full circle with the with the water and the, and the... full circle. Full circle Although- and beach ghosts. This, this, it all makes sense. All right. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us. It was, it was awesome. Uh, looking forward to meeting, well, seeing you again at five points and being your reliever. Yes. Zynercon. What did I say? Five points? <laughs> God. I can't talk tonight. You just yeah. combined well, two Eric. sentences. You said it was great meeting you at five points and then seeing you again at designer con, <laughs> but you just combined it this all. This is what I one. do. This is what I do. I don't know how I, I exist. All right. So, uh, Eric, thanks for joining us. It was awesome talking with you and, uh, looking forward to meeting you again at designer con and, uh, relieving you of your, your booth when you need a, a break. Yes. Why don't you take a, a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, check out my website. It's uh, sadsalesman.com or on Instagram. It's uh, sad underscore salesman. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> George. You can find me at double G toys on Instagram. And that's good. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. <laughs>